Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion. We are part of the E2C Network, a family of podcasts covering Auburn athletics. My name is Kyle, and if you're uh, confused right now because you're hearing a different voice, uh, well, you're right. You are in the right place, though, I promise you. You are on No Huddle. We're here to talk about the uh, most recent Auburn football game, the homecoming game against Southern Miss, but... Luckily, you guys get to hear me this week. AJ Richardson, your normal host, is uh, you know, kind of taking a little sabbatical of sorts for some kind of important day. I guess it's important a wedding, uh, and so he will be uh not with us tonight. But fear not, I have brought with me the best part of the show. Well, I mean, AJ is good too, but let's be honest, the entertainment of the show is here, Mister Benjamin King. How are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, what an introduction. Uh. I'm good after a a hard fought game in the rain, and uh, it was it was cool because you know we were all together at AJ's wedding, and right. because of the delay, we were able to see the entire second half together. So right. I guess yeah. uh, that's kind of cool. And you guys were able to come see you know E2C Network Central, the headquarters where it all the magic all happens, where I'm sitting right now. That's right. <laughs> it a uh, beautiful studio. You have I a, wouldn't give a great thing together there. You know, I wouldn't call it a studio, but I'd call it a, a little space that I've I've man, managed to throw together over time. Well, it's either a studio or a man cave. At, I like, like a man, man cave. You like the man cave? I like. We'll, we'll call it a man studio. How about that? A man studio. Man studio. That sounds. I, I like it. I don't know how I feel about it now that I've heard it said a couple times. Man studio. Man it sounds studio. like a, the man studio. All right, let's get away <laughs> from that topic before we keep going down that rabbit hole. Um, we are here to talk about mainly the Southern Miss game. Uh, discuss what went on and make sense of a lot of that as well. We do want to talk about AJ and his special day because um, we got to talk to some listeners as well uh, at that event. If we have some time at the end, we'll kind of go into detail about that. But most people are here to hear about this game. And my first question for you, Ben, is do, is this going to have to be another therapy session for you? No. I mean, honestly, coming into this, we should have beat up on – this team, I, I was really, really, really hoping that the offense would finally get into a rhythm. Unfortunately, the rain delay did not help with that. Uh, we didn't have much of a rhythm prior to that, unfortunately, as well. The the real therapy will come next week, potentially, with Clint after Mississippi State, depending on how <laughs> that goes. I am uh, uh, very uh, worried about that because I can only imagine what kind of tangents you two are going to go off together after that yeah. game. We'll we'll see. I. I'm hoping that uh, it'll all be good. <laughs> I, I have full faith that it'll be. I will say this: it will be a very entertaining show, especially for me editing, because there will probably be a few things that I have to cut out. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, see. But I'll be good. 
No, you always behave yourself, and I just mean in terms of you know kind of getting to a point and things like that. But anyway, I mean, yeah. we'll see. Uh, let's talk about this game, though. And I do agree with you that I, it almost doesn't need to be a therapy session because I think that you have to kind of take this game in context and what it is and what happens. Uh, something very rare that hardly ever happens for an Auburn football game and quite a delay here. Um, talking about that, I do want to first talk about addressing really the state of the fan base and maybe get your impressions, Ben, of what exactly is going on now. We know that the Auburn fan base, especially if you pay attention to social media, is very fickle. One minute they're hot, one minute they're wanting Gus fired. Yeah. And while I understand the frustration right now, do you, do you, in your opinion, feel it's more warranted or do you feel it's a little overblown? Well, on one hand, you have to look at the expectations, and maybe they were just too high. Looking at the full season, looking at the spectrum of the talent that was returning on this team, the talent that was coming in, the fact that everyone has had a year under the coordinators and there were no major changes, the seniority and leadership that we had, it all looked like we were going to have a fantastic season and everyone was going to hit the ground running. Unfortunately, that's not really how it's turned out. Uh, in all honesty right now, we are number 8th or ninth in the nation. Mm-hmm. Five weeks in, we've had a pretty good schedule, should not have lost to LSU, a little bitter about that. But just think about the fact that we are, you know, one missed tackle away from being 5-0 and right now. And I think the entire uh, just persona of the fan base would be different if that were the case. I would argue that we're one blown call away from 5-0 and right now. I think you know what? Was... I was thinking about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is that, in all honesty, if because the offense was doing nothing against LSU, if we had just been able to stop that drive where LSU scored, mm-hmm. we could have just run the timeout on the game. Yeah, we wouldn't have had to worry about all the uh, the calls that were called that may not have actually ever even occurred. Well, and I bring up the topic about addressing the state of the fan base and kind of whether those feelings are warranted or not, because I do feel like we're getting to that point again where, um, and it is mainly on social media, where people are just so adamant about having being the first one to say, I will call it for Gus's head when things started going <laughs> south. I mean, that's what it is. It's, I said it first, or you know, I got enough likes because I said it that. These are things that people would never say if Gus was standing right in front of him, and that's what bothers me. Yes, you can be frustrated. You can, I was I was angry and frustrated last week, you know, and then the week before that, and I was frustrated about some things today. But I take a step back, and I look at things in context, and I think that's why I'm bringing this up as we get into talking about Southern Miss, that you have to understand fully what is going on and realize that some patience and a little bit of humility is what it warranted is warranted here from us as fans to understand how this is going to happen moving forward that's just kind of what my thought process on but I think you brought up a great point here as bad as things seem on some perspective we are now number eight just came out in the AP and number nine in the coaches poll I mean who would have thought that we would have jumped two spots in one poll and one in another after last night's performance yeah I honestly thought that they would just jump some other people in front of us uh but I guess the fact that a win is a win and getting out of a game where circumstances were not in our favor or in mm-hmm. anyone's favor in, in all reality, right? game never should have been competitive. Yeah. But at the same time, we had three major injuries to the offense. And, right. you know, when that happens, it's it's a wash. 
as you <laughs> so profoundly said last night. That's I was hoping the you'd say best that. way. The best way to describe the game, man. I mean, when when we destroy uh, the the field after two and a half hours of rain and lightning, it's a wash is the best way to put it. Well, here's the best thing is that if you haven't done been anybody else listening, go watch the highlight reel that Auburn put out for the game. Um, and there are some highlights, believe it or not, uh, yeah. that if you go watch the feet, look at the field before the game and after it's ridiculous how awful it looks after it. I mean, this field is just torn up after four straight games there and this massive monsoon that dropped into Auburn, Alabama with lightning and thunder and everything there. Um, it's just a mess over there right now. And let's speaking of that rain delay, did you ever in your mind think we'd have a two and 44, two hour and 44 minute rain delay? I did not. I the fact that the game went on for like seven hours is just mind blowing, and I mean I I give uh, full credit to all the fans that stayed for after the rain delay. There was enough there that it looked better than Arkansas did when they lost to North Texas. So <laughs> the the fact that everyone stayed around for those almost three hours of just waiting for the game to start back up after all the rain and the lightning and the thunder and everything else. Uh, I- I've been at Auburn games where we had light lightning delays and everything, but it was only maybe an hour. Uh, we, we were both at the West Virginia game, right? You were there. Yes, we were. Yep. How long do you think we stayed for that? Uh, probably an hour, almost an hour and a half, I feel like it was. Was it that long? It, it was it pretty was long. It was so much fun that I don't remember it Yeah, being that long because everyone was cheering and swaying and people were on the field like leading cheers and everything. Mm-hmm. That was a great time. Way I different just rem- than this game. Well, I just remember it all started right before kickoff, and that was like a 7, 7.30 kickoff, and we didn't get the game started till 9, because I remember commenting, it's like, man, we're soaked, we're not getting out of here till midnight, but we don't <laughs> care, because just bring on the rain, baby. It was so much fun. What a game. Yep. It was just amazing. That was game. a much bigger game than Homecoming as well. Yeah. And then all the Homecoming festivities that had to still happen after all the rain. Oh, yeah. I felt so bad for the homecoming court because not no one. I'm just let me be honest here. I'm sorry if this offends anybody who gets into homecoming. No one's there <laughs> for comes. that. But I understand that the people who are into it, that it's an important thing, and then they get kind of shoved into a mini halftime right before we kick off again, and then we go to the actual halftime so that they don't get rained on again themselves. I felt so bad for them. So because I mean that's they there's people that's been looking forward to this day, you know, forever. But yeah. It is what it is. Uh, it well, was a wash, as you said. The queen still has her crown, so yes. uh, good good for them. <laughs> All right, so a two-hour and 44-minute uh, delay, uh, and then there was also a shortened halftime, like four minutes after we restarted the game. So there is just no continuity that could have been developed by anyone, offense, defense, special teams on this. And the fact that Auburn was able to do what they did with already the problems that they've been having, I thought was amazing in and of itself. And I just kept commenting to you and Clint as we were watching here at my house, I just want this game to be over with. I want I want us to get the W, get out of here, and just take this little game and put it in a corner and never talk about it again because yeah. it's just it doesn't belong to be, it doesn't really deserve to be talked about. And honestly, I think the entire Auburn team felt that way. They were like, this wasn't supposed to be a game to begin with. This is more of just like a warm-up practice type deal. And here we are getting injured left and right because of the the weather situation. And everyone just wanted it to be over. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, or fortunately for, uh, I guess, game time experience, uh, the fighting Brett Favre, they, uh, they wanted to actually 
you know, make a game out of it. And they came I, out chomping. Yeah, I will say this, you know, when you have an opportunity, you've got to seize it. And they, they made the best of a, a bad situation for Auburn because it was – I even thought this throughout the entire – this is the worst possible scenario that could have happened because, yes, it should have been a game we should have easily won. This is a game that we needed to start building some continuity. We needed to start kind of shoring some things up, and we couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And that starts – we'll just start with the offensive discussion right here because that's what everyone's talking about. And I want us to talk about things in a certain order because I think this is where the problems start. And this is an obvious statement, but it's the offensive line. What are your perceptions of our O-line at this moment? Well, they were Swiss cheese before uh, they took two bites out of the Swiss cheese in this game. (laughs) So now it's just like, what, cheese slices? (laughs) I guess so. uh, You know, it, it went from bad to worse, unfortunately. And this is nothing against our players. I know they've been trying hard. It's been difficult on the offensive line the past two years. Last year, because we didn't have a set group of players to really congeal together, we just kept moving everyone around. This year, because the players we put in you know, had difficulties at the line, and the offense that we have just isn't built for them to play the way they've been playing, unfortunately. The the run-first mantra that we've done in the past under a Gus Malzahn offense just isn't there this year. And we just haven't adapted to that, and it's made the offensive line go from bad to worse. And then injuries. Yeah, I will say that this game here had basically the makings of disaster for the offensive line, already the problems of appearing like a Swiss cheese slice, if you want to put it that way. Um, but... People are are forgetting that we changed over offensive line coaches this year, and they have not had a full year. You we, you were talking at the beginning about everyone's had a year under their coaches. That's not the case, and I'm not doing that to say that you were wrong, but just I need people to realize that there's not even been barely a half a year that these guys have had with Coach J.B. Grimes, and there's a reason that Herb Hand was allowed to go. I will say allowed with quotation marks because that's just the way of handling things nicely. Um, nothing against him. I think he's a great coach in circumstances, but for us, he was not getting the job done. He was a great recruiter, but you are now seeing the effects of um, Herb Hand here. And now one of the best minds in offensive line coaching that we've ever seen, J.B. Grimes, has to pick up the pieces. And as good as he is, he can't do that. He can't do that in a four-game stretch, five-game stretch, where there's already been so many problems inconsistency switching people out last year just to give you some perspective with the injuries the starters jake driscoll and prince tega want to go jr went down austin troxel came in for jake jack driscoll and he got hurt as well so this leaves you with this group as your starting offensive line for the rest of yesterday's game bailey sharp at left tackle left guard was markwell harrell center was nick brahms right guard was mike horton and right tackle calvin ashley You've got Nick Brahms as a freshman, Calvin Ashley as a freshman, Bailey Sharp as a not-so-experienced upperclassman, and then two regular starters in Mike Horton and Markwell Harrell. Those are the two leaders of that offensive line. But you tell me how you put that together and have success under the circumstances they have. Is it possible? I mean, anything's possible, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) But it's going to be very difficult. And, And I definitely like your point of, you know, they haven't had the full year. I guess the way I think about years is is academic year-wise. And so, yeah. in all honesty, academic year has been like six weeks. And the True. shuffle that we saw last year, where every single week we had a different starting line, 
was weird. Yeah. And I'm just I'm glad they're not doing that this year. At the same time, what you're saying as far as, you know, plugging in the players, the, the unfortunate thing is the best person in the world at puzzles can't complete a puzzle if you're missing pieces. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at with the offensive line. And so it's just kind of plugging in players and saying, look, I realize that this isn't your strong, your strong suit and your, your designated position, but we just have to have you fill a hole right now. And that just unfortunately doesn't work very well. And when you try and to put a triangle in a square hole, yeah, you know, it doesn't work. Unless the triangle is much smaller than that hole, and then you've got a bigger problem of people getting pushed over. And so. Well put, sir. Geometry lesson <laughs> on a no huddle tonight. <laughs> so, yeah, the I, I, don't, I don't blame the coordinator for the offensive line, but the thing is is that regardless of who recruited them or who they are, Players just need to be able to block, and we just haven't we haven't been able to block anyone. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say the best player on the team, as far as the offensive line goes, is Markel Harrell, because he's been able to push guys around. The thing is, is when you have two guys on either side of you that are not able to push their guy, and he gets pushed into you, the whole thing falls apart. Right. And that, I think, the biggest argument that I had uh, about the whole who should start at center, Caleb Kim or Nick Brahms, was I'm a fan of stability. I'm a mm-hmm. fan of trying to figure things out and, and having a little patience. And I don't think you can do that when you get mad at a player after three starts. And not not to say the coaches, but we as fans, as a collective, were getting mad at him because of his penalties. And there were still penalties, might I add, without Caleb Kim starting the last two games. Yep. Um, plenty of them. So clearly he wasn't the whole problem there. Um, so I think that the penalties, the injuries, the now having to switch players around because of injuries, not by really choice this time, um, you're not going to see it really get that much better in the next game, I don't think. I hope. I hope that this will light a fire under the bellies and maybe this put a group together we never thought of that would work. But I just I don't know that's going to happen in the next game. We'll talk about that when we get to the the preview. I, I don't expect any improvement against Mississippi State on the road in Cowbell world. <laughs> but... The I was a big fan of Caleb Kim too. He was one of my offensive linemen to watch back second week. And I think the biggest thing that hurt him was the fact that penalties were called on him. I think yeah. on almost any play you can call a holding call. It's it's all about kind of your mindset as a referee of what do you consider holding. And the the fact that he was called on multiple holding calls again and again and again that was what kind of got him in the doghouse as far as a player it's it's a unit and so you can't single out a an individual when some of the other players on either side of him are not you know fully doing their job absolutely i agree and that's i think that is where the offensive problems start obviously and i think the other ones you can't make a fair judgment on because of this and that's what i want to get into really quickly next uh, with the running game, obviously the biggest storyline coming out of that is the Charvius Booby Whitlow injury. I know. Yep. Go ahead. Just tell me how frustrated you are. I, you know, the thing is, we we haven't given him like the full time that he really needed in previous games because we kept moving around. We still do running back by committee, which kind of drives me nuts at times. A- a- on the other hand, last year uh, running Kyrion Johnson every single down was not good either. I, I don't know if I can be happy as as like a running backs viewer. I guess I don't know if it's pleasing <laughs> me. I'm glad you admit but that. <laughs> as as far as 
my my hope for this year. I was really hoping that Asa Martin would step it up and that it would be like the Asa Booby one two punch. Uh we've barely seen Asa at all. Booby came out and did exactly what we expected him to, and now he has an injured left arm, shoulder, who really knows, and we'll kind of see what happens there. So Yeah. Those are <laughs> difficult injuries for a running back to get over those shoulder injuries because you give such a pounding on them as you're going through a line, especially when your offensive line's not blocking. So well, there's that. He had an part injury of it to his well. hand last week as well. See? The same same arm. Um, it's just not a, a good scenario to I think to, to play him next week when he's already this banged up and if he's been your go to option at this point. However, I would argue that, and I wrote Martin is the guy who's ready to prove some of their notes, and maybe that meant Asa Martin to you. I don't know, but I meant Cam Martin. He's gotten no. a lot of flack with whether he's going to be the guy or not. In this game, he had 24 attempts for 90 yards, so he was the cowbell, whether you wanted him to be or not, in this game. I can't believe I just said cowboy, Ben. Cowbell. <laughs> uh, I was wondering where, where that came from. I just, I, I, I'm already got Mississippi State on my mind. and it's, Anyway, we're going to pretend cowbell. I didn't say cowbell. Uh, but Cam Martin is the guy they had to go to. And I will tell you this, watching him run last night, he looked like a guy that was ready to seize an opportunity. And I I value that. I think that that is something that's needed right now. Someone who's pissed off that he lost his, in, in essence, his starting job to Whitlow, whether it's right or wrong. And I think Whitlow has proven himself to be a capable running back. But I get the feeling that Cam Martin is feeling the pressure now that he sees he has a window to step in while Whitlow's hurt. He sees Sean Shivers doing something good. He saw uh, Malik Miller have some success in this game. Uh, anybody else who's having uh, some time at running back, I think this is the time you're going to see Cam Martin shine finally. Yeah, and Malik Miller, he did a lot of his from catching passes versus actually running. True. Though he did a great job catching passes, so I'll give him all that all day. Uh Cam Martin is definitely, I mean, going into this season, coach was saying, yeah, Cam Martin's the starter. He's the, he's got the time under his belt. I didn't see it. I've kind of been hating on him all season. I would love him to prove me wrong. I yeah. think if I almost said that every week, but still, I would love Cam Martin to come out and just go Trey Mason on everyone. <laughs> and that would be great. It go would for be. It. Yeah, it would definitely be. I, uh, I don't see it happening, but I would absolutely love him to prove me wrong. And maybe Mississippi State is that answer. We'll see what happens. I have a feeling that Mississippi State's going to give us a lot of answers and, and kind of wake uh, some people up. I, my, that's my hope, but we'll see what happens. Uh, moving to the last part of this discussion on the offense, when we're talking about what's wrong, we started with the offensive line. If you, you can't create holes, the running game get, can't get going. And if the running game can't get going or they can't protect the quarterback, your wide receivers are going to suffer and the quarterback is going to suffer. People are really talking badly about Jarrett Stidham right now, and maybe rightly so, because I will admit he does look uh, uncomfortable at times. Would you agree with that? Uh, uncomfortable, yes. Upset, yes. Uh, he's He's got his own little bit of pissed off, and rightly so. I mean, when you're running like a chicken with your head cut off, it you have a reason to be upset with your your situation within the team. At the same time, he's not without blame. No, because no. he can step up in the pocket. Anytime he does step up in the pocket, he completes pretty good passes. And but here's my question. I don't know you, if he's realizing that. Here's my question to you, though, Ben. Would you step up in the pocket, pocket as willingly if you're getting yanked from behind, hit from the side as much as he is, though? I'm just playing devil's advocate. Man, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, 
I'd go where I can not get hit, and I think stepping up in the pocket is going to be a better chance than laying back and you know getting the ball swatted swatted out of your hand. Yeah, or taking a sack from your blind side. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, he does hold shoulder some of the blame, and I think he admits that as much as anyone. Uh, here's a perspective for you in the rushing category. Jarrett Stidham had four attempts for negative twenty six yards. <laughs> that yep. tells you right there the story of what's wrong right now with the offensive line. That's yeah. That's awful. And one thing that I'll give Jarrett credit for, which is not a good thing, but I guess it shows boldness, is he holds on to the ball a long time. If I'm in that position and I have the offensive line that we have this year, I'm doing like a three-step, six-step drop max, and when I'm down there, I'm planting my feet and getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. And he's held on to it, trying to let guys make some moves and get open. Honestly, and I've been saying this all year long, we needed to do some quick slants and some run-up, turnaround type plays with our wide receivers or always have someone in the middle as like an escape route for Jarrett to hit because we're not giving him the options he needs to be successful right now as far as the the routes that we're running with the wide well, receivers. I don't know that it's so much that we're not giving it to him. He's not selecting him, and I think that's where the fault that's, lies with him. That's a high possibility as well. I think those options are there. I just think, again, when you you look at everything in context, offensive line, no running game, I'm getting smacked around. I'm going to try to get the ball as quickly as I can, but if I know that there's someone coming straight up the middle, I can't even throw over the middle because I'm trying to get out of the way. Just kind of a thought there as well. And We need to move on to defensive discussion here, but I do want to give shout-outs to him and his wide receivers who did connect Seth Williams with a bomb uh, from Jarrett Stidham on that touchdown. And then Chandler Cox with the old Lutz and Kirchin play down there near the goal line got a touchdown as well. So he uh, and the Darius wide receiver. Slayton. Darius Slayton as well had another bomb as, as well. I forgot about that one. So these wide receivers and Jarrett Stidham are on generally the same page and can connect. It's just a question of will the offensive line get figured out? Will the running backs be able to run the ball? And then you will see this offense with Jarrett Stidham and these wide receivers take off. That's just my impression. I, I don't know if anybody else agrees with me, but that's my I agree. Yeah. I'm right here with you, man. Let's just all be right here together, man. Just one happy <laughs> All right. One defense, happy fan base. Hap, one happy family, one happy fan base. <laughs> defense. I don't know, other than a few kind of problems where, you know, there were some bigger plays given up uh, with certain people's in wrong positions. I don't have too many complaints for the defense. That's why our notes are so minimal on them because I only have really – some good things to talk about them. Did you see anything that discouraged you with the defense? No. I mean, <laughs> guys stayed. You know, one of the things that I thought was was really cool is uh, Iggy came up and laid some hits back at – I think he's really coming into that position, which that's probably been one of my biggest complaints on the defense is the secondary. And uh, I think he's finally coming into it, which is great. Uh, overall, defensive performance was stout. Uh, we had that one drive that – probably shouldn't have happened but that's fine yeah um well the problem is is when your offense is going three and out and punting every single yeah. time they're losing the field percentage or the field yeah. uh position game and so then you're put in worse and worse positions where they're not a bend don't break defense even though people want to give them that label but eventually you don't have as much of a room for error as you do when you're starting on the 50 yard line as a defense position so. and conditions mm -hmm. i mean field conditions were terrible 
Yep. And the fact that this team, this defensive staff, and these defensive players put together the game they did with all that combined, no offensive uh, production really, conditions is amazing to me. And there were some some big moments. Can we talk about Mr. Derek Brown launching himself into the air and that well, what we our reaction was at, at my house? Okay, so I yeah, our reaction there was just people yelling, screaming, jumping around. Uh, Autumn was not happy with us at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but I went back and watched the highlights again, and I took like screenshots of him trying to get like chop blocked, jumping up in the air, full, going full Superman. That's kind of how he looked with the arms forward as far as you can with shoulder pads and just clearing the the neck <laughs> and taking down the quarterback. I mean, it was. Wh- it was such a great hit. It was so clean. It was, you know, to to put your body on the line like that, it was like a wrestling move in the middle of a football field. And I think, if I may be really honest here, I think this is where my optimism, which people don't understand these days, about this team comes into play. Because we've had good defense in the past and a poor offense. And at some point, it just bends and breaks. I don't get that impression from this defense. This, When I see plays like Derrick Brown just gave where he is just so mad that he is just going to give up his body and just annihilate a quarterback that way in midair, I see a team that is rising above their issues. And once those issues get better, this is going to be a thing of beauty. And so that's where my optimism comes from is from things like the special teams, the defense, uh, we had two interceptions this game. Jeremiah Denson had one done an overthrown ball by the Southern Miss quarterback, and Christian Tuck, uh, Tut basically took one away uh, when a uh, wide receiver for Southern Miss basically um, overplayed the ball. Um, and so that was I wouldn't a game saver. It was, and in I, all I honesty, think, I, I honestly I think you're right. I mean, do you think that we stop the offense if we don't get that interception? I, I mean, maybe the defense was still playing very well, but at the same time, it was more of a there's like two minutes left on the clock. Let's just get out of here type mindset. Right. Let's get out of here without any more injuries, I think was the biggest thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that tut interception was a, a huge game changer type deal at the end of the game there. And that's what I mean is that this defense seems to find ways when nobody else will do the job to get this game put away. And whether it was just luck or an athletic play by Christian Tut, he still made the play and mm-hmm. put the team into position to put the score up by two scores and thus secure the game and make it a little bit easier at the end. So, I mean, I've seen DBs drop that type of interception yeah. all the time. So for him to have his head on a swivel to be able to go up in the air and take that away, that was great. It was a be- thing of beauty. Uh, really quickly, special teams, we had a couple of major things to talk about. Punting continues to be a great success with some uh, pinning them in the backfield with Aaron Sippus. Uh, you had the punt fumble recovery by Jordan Peters early on in the game. Uh, And then you had um, Daniel Carlson getting the one attempt and making it early on. Um, The one thing I want to point out there, and I think you guys have brought on your previous shows is that we had to stop making Daniel Carlson kick so many long ones. And we had an opportunity to kick a 57 yarder, which he's shown he can make, but we elected not to do that. And I think that showed great coaching by coach Malzahn and his special teams coach. I agree. I mean, the last thing we want to do is take another hit to his confidence and letting him, you know, give the game winner down there. What was it like a 30 yard field goal or something like that to finish out the game? I think was great. And that right there is going to be the thing that really helps him 
gain composure and confidence going forward. A 57-yard field goal, regardless of who it is or where it is, it, it's not worth it if it's going to take him down another notch. And it wasn't a do-or-die situation either. Yes, Absolutely. If, if you have to do this to win the game, by all means, do it. But it yep. wasn't out of question at that point. Um, what I'm most impressed with, besides the kicking and the punting right now, is the way we are getting things done in other areas of special teams. I mean, I know that it was more of a mistake by the Southern Miss up back stepping in front of the snap on that punt that led to the Jordan Peters uh, recovery. But I'll tell you what, Jordan Peters just finds a way to be in the stat column on special teams where these blocking punts or almost blocking punts or picking up fundles fumbles if it's not him it's uh the returners making a play noah igbenogany ryan davis i mean we lamented all last year about the special teams and how nice is that we have things to talk about now and isn't it incredible the change at special teams with new coaching Mm -hmm. just by having a coordinator there to focus on putting the puzzle pieces together versus having to you know start over with a new picture it's been excellent to see the coverage for the most part uh, the way that players are, you know, making opportunities, the blocking that has happened, everything's been great. Right. And I think if I may get on my soapbox here for another for second is I think this is where my frustration comes with for people that are getting on coach Malzahn's case saying he doesn't know how to develop. I'm not, I know you guys are the Kings <laughs> of development stuff. So I'm not taking this at you. He doesn't know how to be CEO. I would disagree. I will maintain to this day the best decision he has still made to date was bringing Kevin Steele here, and I think you cannot argue with that. I would think he made a great decision this year to bring in a special teams coordinator. That is showing here. Um, He has shown the ability to write the offense and get it going right. But my thing is is we we always want to blame Coach Malzahn, but we never want to give him credit for the things that he's done right. And that's what frustrates me the most. And I think if you look at things – in context and not take a broad approach and a broad brush, there is a lot more to be happy with this program right now than people want to give him credit for. Just my opinion. I'll agree. Things are definitely in the right direction. And AJ and I were saying a lot of that early preseason, you know, just the way the coach was carrying himself. And I think the biggest question that still remains is just the way that the offense is performing. And I mean, a lot of that is because of the line that we've already kind of talked about almost to death. So we won't go too much into that anymore. But Chip Lindsay has not done poorly. Uh, mm-hmm. There is potentially a question of our ability to adapt to the type of players we have and the situation we're in. Right. That is yet to be determined on if we can actually find a way to, you know, make this offense high powered like it should be with the players that we have. And it's going to take a change of, you know, coaching versus what we've done in the past. Right. Can we get there? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But at this point, it's nothing to be, you know, calling for anyone's head for. Yeah. We've still won the majority of our games that the fact that we lost to LSU was, it was a game that never should have happened, but we still beat Washington and we're still highly ranked. We're getting into the meat of the schedule. Let's just support who we have and see what happens. And let me point out too that Washington is looking really good in conference play. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so they're still probably going to win the the Pac-10. We, you know, if things shake out the way they might, in an optimistic view with me, we might see them again. And uh, I don't know if we would fare as well the second time around the way they're playing right now. My pitch to all Auburn fans right now is is to think about how you're expressing your frustrations. Feel free to do so. 
but do so that's in a way that's not detrimental to the coaches, the players, and your fellow fans right now. This is not a time where we need to be divided. This is a time where we need to be united. There's enough division in politics these days. Let's not be another reason for division amongst people. Let's come together as a family. Let's support this team. And I promise you, you will be surprised with how well the Gus Malzahn era is going to be as things start to shape out here. Uh, but that's our uh, thoughts for this game. Any other things that you want to mention before we get out of here, Ben? No, that's a great point. And you know what, everyone? We're in this for, you know, seven years. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to support who you got. And the these kids remember their age, and they're just trying to do the best they can. Support is the best thing for them. Uh, and everyone has social media, so just... Remember that these are real people, and uh, just kind of chill out a little bit. I love it. That's a great way of saying that. Uh, let's give our contact information for anybody who wants to get uh, reach out to us. You can find me on Twitter at TigerI24. Where can I find you, Ben? Anywhere on social media, B-E-N-K-1-N-G. Or Captain Plainsman as well. That's right. I see you every once in a while giving little snippets, trying to be the next drunk obby. <laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking about it and trying. I, I'm just not there yet. I uh, I've got to build it up. I'm kind of like the O line right now. I'm uh, I'm finding my way. <laughs> I love that analogy. Uh, well, one day we hopefully will have the next drunk Abby in Captain Flames' Twitter account. I'll be watching his development uh, with time <laughs> here. Uh, that's all we have for you guys uh, on this review of the Southern Miss game. But until next time, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? <laughs>